Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. Evangeline, A Tale of Acadie by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Book 2, Part 3 Near to the bank of the river, o'ershadowed by oaks from whose branches garlands of Spanish moss and of mystic mistletoe flaunted, such as the druids cut down with golden hatchets at yuletide, stood, secluded and still, the house of the herdsman. A garden girdled it round about, with a belt of luxuriant blossoms, filling the air with fragrance. The house itself was of timbers, hewn from the cypress tree, and carefully fitted together. Large and low was the roof, and on slender columns supported, rose-wreathed, vine-encircled, a broad and spacious veranda, haunt of the hummingbird and the bee, extended around it. At each end of the house, amid the flowers of the garden, stationed the dovecots were, as love's perpetual symbol, scenes of endless wooing and endless contentions of rivals. Silence reigned o'er the place. The line of shadow and sunshine ran near the tops of the trees, but the house itself was in shadow, and from its chimney-top, ascending and slowly expanding into the evening air, a thin blue column of smoke rose. In the rear of the house, from the garden gate, ran a pathway, through the great groves of oaks, to the skirts of the limitless prairie, into whose sea of flowers the sun was slowly descending. Full in his track of light, like ships with shadowy canvas hanging loose from their spars, in a motionless calm in the tropics, stood a cluster of trees with tangled cordage of grapevines. Just where the woodlands met the flowery surf of the prairie, mounted upon his horse, with Spanish saddle and stirrups, sat a herdsman, arrayed in gaiters and doublet of deerskin. Broad and brown was the face that, from under the Spanish sombrero, gazed on the peaceful scene with the lordly look of its master. Round about him were numberless herds of kind that were grazing quietly in the meadows and breathing the vapory freshness that uprose from the river and spread itself over the landscape. Slowly lifting the horn that hung at his side and expanding fully his broad, deep chest, he blew a blast that resounded wildly and sweet and far through the still damp air of the evening. Suddenly out of the grass the long white horns of the cattle rose like flakes of foam on the adverse currents of ocean. Silent a moment they gazed, then bellowing rushed o'er the prairie, and the whole mass became a cloud, a shade in the distance. Then as the herdsman turned to the house, through the gate of the garden saw he the forms of the priest and the maiden advancing to meet him. Suddenly down from his horse he sprang in amazement, and forward rushed with extended arms and exclamations of wonder. When they beheld his face, they recognized Basil the blacksmith. Hearty his welcome was, as he led his guest to the garden. There, in an arbor of roses, with endless question and answer, gave they vent to their hearts, and renewed their friendly embraces. Laughing and weeping by turns, 
or sitting silent and thoughtful. Thoughtful, for Gabriel came not, and now dark doubts and misgivings stole o'er the maiden's heart, and Basil, somewhat embarrassed, broke the silence and said, If you come by the Achephalaya, how have you nowhere encountered my Gabriel's boat on the bayous? Over Evangeline's face at the words of Basil a shade passed. Tears came into her eyes, and she said, with a tremulous accent, Gone? Is Gabriel gone? And concealing her face on his shoulder, all her o'erburdened heart gave way, and she wept and lamented. Then the good Basil said, and his voice grew blithe as he said it, Be of good cheer, my child. It is only today he departed. Foolish boy, he has left me alone with my herds and my horses. Moody and restless grown, and tried and troubled, his spirit could no longer endure the calm of this quiet existence. Thinking ever of thee, uncertain and sorrowful ever, ever silent or speaking only of thee and his troubles, he at length had become so tedious to men and to maidens, tedious even to me, that at length I bethought me and sent him unto the town of Adeus to trade for mules with the Spaniards. Thence he will follow the Indian trails to the Ozark Mountains, hunting for furs in the forests, on rivers trapping the beaver. Therefore, be of good cheer. We will follow the fugitive lover. He is not far on his way, and the fates and the streams are against him. Up and away tomorrow and through the red dew of the morning we will follow him fast and bring him back to his prison. Then glad voices were heard, and up from the banks of the river, borne aloft on his comrade's arms, came Michael the fiddler. Long under Basil's roof had he lived like a god on Olympus, having no other care than dispensing music to mortals. Far renowned was he for his silver locks and his fiddle. Long live Michael! they cried, our brave Acadian minstrel, as they bore him aloft in triumphal procession, and straightway Father Felician advanced with Evangeline, greeting the old man kindly and oft, and recalling the past, while Basil, enraptured, hailed with hilarious joy his old companions and gossips, laughing loud and long, and embracing mothers and daughters. Much they marveled to see the wealth of the Cedevant blacksmith all his domains and his herds and his patriarchal demeanor. Much they marveled to hear his tales of the soil and the climate, and of the prairies, whose numberless herds were his who would take them. Each one thought in his heart that he too would go and do likewise. Thus they ascended the steps, and crossing the airy veranda, entered the hall of the house, where already the supper of Basil waited his late return and they rested and feasted together. Over the joyous feast the sudden darkness descended. All was silent without, and, illuming the landscape with silver, fair rose the dewy moon and the myriad stars. But within doors, brighter than these, shone the faces of friends in the glimmering lamplight. Then from his station aloft at the head of the table, the herdsman poured forth his heart and his wine together in endless profusion. Lighting his pipe that was filled with sweet Nocatish tobacco, 
Thus he spake to his guests, who listened, and smiled as they listened. Welcome once more, my friends, who so long have been friendless and homeless. Welcome once more to a home that is better perchance than the old one. Here no hungry winter congeals our blood like the rivers. Here no stony ground provokes the wrath of the farmer. Smoothly the plowshare runs through the soil as a keel through the water. All the year round the orange groves are in blossom, and grass grows more in a single night than a whole Canadian summer. Here, too, numberless herds run wild and unclaimed in the prairies. Here, too, lands may be had for the asking, and forests of timber with a few blows of the axe are hewn and framed into houses. After your houses are built, and your fields are yellow with harvests, no King George of England shall drive you away from your homesteads, burning your dwellings and barns, and stealing your farms and your cattle. Speaking these words, he blew a wrathful cloud from his nostrils, while his huge brawny hand came thundering down on the table, so that the guests all started, and Father Felician, astounded, suddenly paused, with a pinch of snuff halfway to his nostrils. But the brave Basil resumed, and his words were milder and gayer. Only beware of the fever, my friends, beware of the fever, for it is not like that of our cold Acadian climate, cured by wearing a spider hung round one's neck in a nutshell. Then were voices heard at the door, and footsteps approaching sounded upon the stairs and the floor of the breezy veranda. It was the neighboring Creoles and small Acadian planters, who had been summoned all to the house of Basil the herdsman. Merry the meeting was of ancient comrades and neighbors. Friend clasped friend in his arms, and they who before were as strangers, meeting in exile, became straightway as friends to each other, drawn by the gentle bond of a common country together. But in the neighboring hall a strain of music, proceeding from the accordant strings of Michael's melodious fiddle, broke up all further speech. Away, like children delighted, all things forgotten beside, they gave themselves to the maddening whirl of the dizzy dance as it swept and swayed to the music, dreamlike, with beaming eyes and the rush of fluttering garments. Meanwhile, apart, at the head of the hall, the priest and the herdsman sat, conversing together of past and present and future, while Evangeline stood like one entranced, for within her olden memories rose, and loud in the midst of the music heard she the sound of the sea, and an irrepressible sadness came o'er her heart, and unseen she stole forth into the garden. Beautiful was the night. Behind the black wall of the forest, tipping its summit with silver, arose the moon. On the river fell here and there through the branches a tremulous gleam of the moonlight, like the sweet thoughts of love on a darkened and devious spirit. Nearer and round about her, the manifold flowers of the garden poured out their souls in odors that were their prayers and confessions unto the night, as it went its way like a silent Carthusian, fuller of grace than they, and as heavy with shadows and night dews, hung the heart of the maiden. 
The calm and the magical moonlight seemed to inundate her soul with indefinable longings. As, through the garden gate, beneath the brown shade of the oak trees, passed she along the path to the edge of the measureless prairie. Silent it lay, with a silvery haze upon it, and the fireflies gleaming and floating away in mingled and infinite numbers. Over her head the stars, the thoughts of God in the heavens, shone on the eyes of man who had ceased to marvel and worship, save when a blazing comet was seen on the walls of that temple, as if a hand had appeared and written upon them, Uparsin, and the soul of the maiden between the stars and the fireflies, wandered alone, and she cried, O Gabriel, O my beloved, art thou so near unto me, and yet I cannot behold thee? Art thou so near unto me, and yet thy voice does not reach me? Ah, how often thy feet have trod this path to the prairie! Ah, how often thine eyes have looked on the woodlands around me! Ah, how often beneath this oak, returning from labor, thou hast lain down to rest and to dream of me in thy slumbers! When shall these eyes behold, these arms be folded about thee? Loud and sudden and near the note of a whippoorwill sounded, like a flute in the woods, and anon, through the neighboring thickets, farther and farther away it floated and dropped into silence. Patience, whispered the oaks from oracular caverns of darkness, and from the moonlit meadow a sigh responded, Tomorrow. Bright rose the sun next day, and all the flowers of the garden bathed his shining feet with their tears, and anointed his tresses with the delicious balm that they bore in their vases of crystal. Farewell, said the priest, as he stood at the shadowy threshold. See that you bring us the prodigal son from his fasting and famine, and, too, the foolish virgin who slept when the bridegroom was coming. Farewell, answered the maiden and, smiling, with Basil descended down to the river's brink, where the boatmen already were waiting, thus beginning their journey with morning and sunshine and gladness. Swiftly they followed the flight of him who was speeding before them, blown by the blast of fate like a dead leaf over the desert. Not that day, nor the next, nor yet the day that succeeded, found they trace of his course in lake or forest or river. Nor, after many days, had they found him. But vague and uncertain rumors alone were their guides through a wild and desolate country. Till, at the little inn of the Spanish town of Adeus, weary and worn they alighted, and learned from the garrulous landlord that on the day before, with horses and guides and companions, Gabriel left the village and took the road of the prairies. Tis the gift to be simple. Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, t'will be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, 
will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right. <laughs>